A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Hello, this is Father Thomas, and welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast series, where we reflect on the readings that come to us from the Mass each day. When we take a little time to let the Spirit come upon us, a bud shall indeed blossom in our hearts, so we might be renewed in spirit and strengthened in faith, as we take this time together to enter into that beautiful word that comes to us from God. The readings for this first Sunday of Lent are the story of Adam and Eve and how the devil tried to tempt Jesus in the desert. Father explains how the devil tries to deceive us with the same tools. We fall for it just like Adam and Eve did. He's got special tools to make that happen, and he's been using these same tools from the very beginning of man's creation till now, and he will use them to the end of time. Because the devil, for his cunning ideas, he's not too creative. He didn't have to be with us. Because his three tools that he uses to defeat us keep working. The sad part is they don't have to. And what are those tools that have been given? that the devil's been using? The same one he used on Jesus. When Jesus was in the desert, the devil thought, I've beaten every human person in history up to this point with these weapons of mine, so you're going to fall too, Jesus. I don't care who you are. And Jesus says, but I've got three weapons that I use a lot better to beat you. But before we get to that, Adam and Eve also had the weapons to defeat, but they didn't use them either. So what were the tools of Satan? And it's important to understand these tools because we all fall for them. I call them the three P's. And no, I'm not talking about my brother Andy Picchioni, my brother John Picchioni, or me, Thomas Picchioni. I'm talking about the three Satan. They are pleasure, possession, and power. We all want them. How many of us do not like to feel good? How many of us do not like to own things, especially a big bank account? And how many of us do not like to be in charge and make the rules? Anybody? I didn't think so. So if I were to tell you right now that all the Lenten fast nonsense is over with and Jesus made a new command and said the Catholic Church has declared that you can enjoy yourself during Lent and you can do any good feeling thing that you want, no questions asked. How many of you would be thinking, oh, bummer. <laughs> or if I said, when you go home, the Catholic Church has just become friends with Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg head and Elon Musk and whatever their names are. And he says, they've given all their money to the church and the church is going to give it to you. And so when you get home, everyone of you gets a check for $6.2 million. How many of you would be excited to get home? How many of you would give it back to me? <laughs> I didn't think I'd get any takers for that either. 
And what if you always got to establish the rules for how you lived? If you were the one in charge all the time, people had to answer to you, that's what we like, that's what we want. And the devil knows it, and he's been using it day one. From day one, we've been falling for the same stupid lies that he's been telling us, that these things that I just offered you were actually something worth taking. And we fail to realize that the more we take of what the devil offers, the less that we take what God offers. And that's the trade-off. And that's what we fail to realize. There's nothing wrong with pleasures in life. There's nothing wrong with having good things. There's nothing wrong with even wanting to make the rules. But there is something wrong when we trade these things for the goods of God, and that's the problem. And that's what Adam and Eve failed to realize. God had given them everything. Think about this. They had paradise. They didn't have to work for anything. They had a loving relationship with each other for about six minutes until they messed that up. Food. The animals were even their servants. They commanded the animals and they did whatever they wanted. There was no poisonous plants to poison them. It was a pretty awesome life. You know what the temperature was outside? 73.6 degrees all the time. So what does the devil offer them? The one thing they couldn't have. That fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you know what that represents? We all started to grow up thinking, well, wait a minute. If they didn't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, then how do they know it's good and evil? So how can they get in trouble for doing evil if they didn't know what it was to begin with? Have any of you ever asked that question? Okay, so the only one that's messed up here. Anyway, so the point is, that's not what it's all about. It's not about the knowledge of the good and evil. It's about having the right to determine what is good and evil. That's what it means. He's saying, you have no right to determine for yourself what is proper, what is not. You have no right to determine for yourself what is good and what is not. You have no right to set for yourself what the law is and what is not. And that was the devil was offered to them. Says, it's not enough that you have all this good stuff. Wouldn't it be great if you get to make the rules about everything in your life, especially what you can and cannot do? Because if you got to have that power, you would never be told you can't do it because you can establish that you can. And he wraps it in this pretty little package. You know what that package was? The three Ps. If you listen closely to the story, if you haven't read it closely, read it again. Because it says, this thing that's being offered to the was good for food, it tasted good, pleasing to the eye, it looks good, good for knowledge. What it was? Pleasure, possession, and power. And the devil wraps this wonderful gift up of being able to determine for themselves what is right and wrong, and he makes it look all pretty he says, here you go, and they fell for it. Why? Because they wanted the pleasure, they wanted the possession, and they wanted the power of the one thing that God says you cannot have. And we've been falling for that same nonsense ever since. And we still have to think in that moment that we pursue those things, guess what we do? 
How many of you have made your own rules about what is right and wrong? You're all liars. <laughs> you know how I know that? Basic human nature tells you that you cannot pursue that which you think is evil. You can't do it. Every time you sin, okay, let me just do it this way. Is there any non so since you're not going to participate, I'll do it the opposite way so I know I'll get the right answer. How many of you are perfect? Okay, good, I got the right answer this time. All right. Since you're not perfect, you're going to admit every one of you sin, correct? Why do you sin? Why? That's not why you sin. That's what leads us to sin. But why do you choose to sin? Because it feels good. What? It feels good. It feels good. Every time we sin, in the moment, what we're doing, we think is a good. And if you disagree with me, come to me after Mass, and I'll explain to you how right I am and how wrong you are, because this is absolute truth of the faith. Because we cannot pursue that which is evil. If we pursued something that we thought was evil, it's no longer evil, because evil by definition is that which you think you do not want to pursue. In that moment, we see a good in it. And so we take it. You know what that means? In that moment, we make the determination for ourselves. I'm making my own rule, God. In this moment, the thing that you said was bad, I am now saying is good, so therefore I am entitled to take it. And that's the lie of the devil. And every one of us believed it at one point in our life. Every one of us somehow think that those things of power, possession, and pleasure somehow actually will lead us to a greater life than the things of God. Because they feel good. They make us comfortable. Easier. But never better. And that's where Jesus beat the devil because the Jesus did the one thing the devil did not expect. Jesus was willing to actually accept suffering for a greater good. Because Jesus was willing to see that the suffering was a greater good. And the devil couldn't get that. Because the one weakness of the devil was that he refused to serve and he saw it as being weak. And he thought Jesus was going to fall for the same thing he fell for. And Jesus said they wouldn't have any of it. Because what Jesus has that we struggle with is called the love of sacrifice. He was willing to deny himself a good so that somebody else could have a greater good. It's a concept the devil struggles with. The one thing the devil never anticipated was that God was willing to suffer when he didn't have to. That's how Jesus beat him. And that's how we can beat him. When Jesus went out to the desert, 
It wasn't for his glory, it was for ours. He was showing us a path to how you beat Satan by giving up those things that we clip so tightly, by willing to sacrifice the very pleasures of life that are not bad in themselves, when you're not willing to let them go, they sink you. They bring you down. And until we start to believe that there's something better out there than the pleasures of the world, the possessions of the world, the power of this world, we are going to continue to be Adam and Eve, and we're going to fall over and over and over again. Until we start to recognize that it's okay to say no to ourselves for somebody else, we're going to lose. That's the reason we start off this first Sunday of Lent with these readings. It's to help us understand our biggest failures. But we keep convincing ourselves it's not that bad. This extra piece of chocolate after 42 Reese's Cups isn't a big deal. Looking at the little pictures on the internet, oh, I'm not doing anything, it's all right. A few little cuss words here and there, God's going to get over it. Oh, I missed Mass once in a while. There's another one. It's okay if I cheat a little bit. Nobody's watching. I can do this. I can do that. It's all right. God loves me. He'll forgive me. We excuse it. Now I want you to think about something. Every single time that you sin, Every time you make the devil smile. Because in that moment, he got you. In that moment, he says, I beat you. Now think about this. Every time you're willing to offer yourself in sacrificial love, every single time you do that, the entire heavens smile. Because then they've got you. And that's how we're supposed to live Lent. I'm asking, how many of you woke up on Ash Wednesday, got out of bed and said, Lent's here, whoa! <laughs> Anybody? Why not? Why did we not wake up on Ash Wednesday thinking the power of Christ had been poured into us for us to overcome Satan himself and beat him down at his own game and to be glorified and have the angels wait on us? That power has been given to us in Christ and we're not excited about it? You know why we're not excited about it, everybody? Because Father Thomas is yelling too loud right now. We're not excited about it because Lent is all about giving up something, right? We give up some pleasure. Oh, I can't do this. I can't eat chocolate. I can't have a donut. I can't watch my cell phone for 16 hours a day. I can't play video games. I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, so bad. <laughs> it's hard. And the whole time you're whining about what you can't have, the devil's offering a little bit more. And God's over there in the corner saying, what about me? What about me? Because we always have him. All we have to do is ask. He's right there. And sometimes we don't even have to ask, and he's still right there. 
If I were to ask you, who do you want, Satan? Or you're all going to say, oh, I want God, I want God, I want God. Within three hours, you're going to take Satan at some point. Because we still struggle with understanding what he's offering to us. You see, Adam and Eve were like us. And we think, oh, if I was in the garden, I wouldn't have eaten of the fruit. What are you, stupid? I mean, you really think that you're that good? Of course you would have eaten of it, but you already have. You may be thinking, what does everyone think that was their sin? I want to, I want to know how their bad or catechism has been growing up. What was the sin of Adam and Eve? Well, well, that's their sin. But what was it that you've been taught that they wanted to what? Be, be like God. Like God, right? Well, who's heard that before? Okay, lots of you have. The rest of you are just too lazy to raise your hands. Anyway, so you want to be like God. You know what's ridiculous? You know why it's ridiculous? Because in the chapter four, they were made in the image and likeness of God. They're already like him. The truth is, the reason they fell is not because they wanted to be like God, it's because they didn't want to be like God. Because you know what God was? A man or a being, not a man, Jesus man, he's God. God is infinite power, willing to set it all aside for the sake of his own creation. God is willing to be hurt when he doesn't have to. That is being like God. Choosing to suffer for the sake of those who maybe don't even deserve it. That is being like God. You want to know what being like God is like? That's being like God. And that's what Adam and Eve couldn't do. But because God did that, you can do what Adam and Eve couldn't. Because you are already like him. You just have to step into that role. The devil has no power over you. So why do we keep giving it to him? Lent is a beautiful time. Because I want you to listen to this. When you're willing to give yourself over to God in sacrificial love, it is then that the angels will wait on you too. The question is, which angel do you want waiting on you? The one who fell? For the ones glorifying God. Let us a time to choose. Let's choose wisely.